0: Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. I speak with a dear friend, John Daly. He is the Director of Retail and Customer Development at Johnson Brothers Service Distributing of Virginia. And my very first interview with someone in the wine distribution industry. It's fascinating. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation. What is the difference between being an on-premise sales consultant versus a retail consultant? What are the characteristics that helped John to be successful and sustain a 30-year career? And how did he negotiate his comp and work-life balance? And what about pairing wine? What's the real scoop there? All this and more coming up. Enjoy this episode. you. It's good to see you. Uh, good so, good to see see you. you so we, uh, I feel like I've asked you for, I've been doing this podcast for five years. And I think I've asked you for five years to be on it because I think what you do is cool. And there's not a lot of people that I know that do what you do. And I, in this podcast, I love to talk to people that have career paths and do different things that maybe people don't have a lot of access to or know a lot about. So I appreciate you sitting down. I know you've got a lot going on, and you're a busy, busy man. And, you um, know, it's supposed to be after the holidays now, but <laughs> right? But golly, I know. No. <laughs> so let's start just by first introducing what you do. So what, like, you're, you're in are I mean, I think of you, and I think of wine distribution. Wine like, distributor, yeah. Okay. It,
1: it, the, the easiest way to, to think of it is the, the winery, mm-hmm. the supplier, the manufacturer. Yep. They produce it. It's got to get to the giant, the Costco, the restaurant, and that's where we come into play. The distributor's yes. the middleman, so it is the three tier system.
0: Okay. And you've done this for most of your professional career. Most,
1: yeah. Like uh, for... I'm in year thirty one.
0: That yeah. is amazing. It's... That design not... <laughs> like I feel like there's only a few of us that have like, you know, that are that are um that have stayed that long, right? In I'm, terms I'm of what seeing they do. It
1: more and more too. You know, oh interesting. It, it, no, in that I'm the the proverbial dinosaur, right, yeah. yeah, come the first week of May, my boss and very much a mentor of mine mm-hmm. over the years he's leaving after forty five years in same business, and we just uh at the end of of the the year, a gentleman that was he may have been right at forty years wow years. so i I think I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but this mm-hmm. I think that may say a little something about the family that we all worked for yeah. for for 29
0: years for Yeah, 20 so i case. i do want to ask you about that i think the <laughs> one thing about the industry of wine distribution or the kind of beverage industry um do you feel like people that once they get in that industry they're in it you know once you it's it's very much relationship driven and so when you talk about yes you've been with the same Company and I know there was a change there, so we'll talk about that but generally, even if you're not with the same organization or the same people like because once you get in it
1: the same you stay in the same business a lot of times yeah, yeah. going from that that distributor to the supplier Backward. back and forth and and to the point that the the larger uh, uh, suppliers they're recruiting on campus mm. in in hopes of of finding that diamond in the rough. That they can can take back and forth from you know they can bring them in, spend a couple of years learning the supplier side of the business, place them in a distributor that they have that relationship with a couple years there, pull them out and and then that uh, allows for upward mobility within the business and, and kind of allows them to uh, potentially fill a need in, in other markets.
0: When you started out, did you have a love of wine? Did you it like
1: sales? So that that was yeah.
0: yeah so I wanted to add yeah. it, a lot of this is going to be probably a sales generated conversation. It, yeah. But yeah. did you know you wanted to do sales and you were going to be good at sales?
1: So there were there were two things that you know I I think our our kids these days they to me they're they're so much more. I don't know if the word is mature or if it's advanced in terms of what they know that they want mm-hmm. or at least they think they know what they want right. and they can articulate it very well. Um, I just wasn't that kid at, at 17, 18 years old. Um, maybe as I moved into into college, the two things would, I, I would have loved to have, have come back to my old high school, been a, a ninth grade algebra teacher, ah. spend some time coaching tennis, basketball, and and you know what? You need some help. I can make a couple thousand dollars more helping out on the football team. Could totally see you That's doing that. That's it, and I, I would have been, satisfied with that. The other thing was some type of outside sales. Um, and, and that was kind of, uh, n- nurtured by my brother-in-law was in outside sales and this is, this is going back. So mm-hmm. he used to knock door to door selling, uh, cable television. Wow. Right. So, yeah. um, so he moved up within, uh, in, in that Company in that business and said, "Yeah, you seem like you would have that same type of demeanor." Um, I did not want to knock on doors, so I wanted business to business. Yep. Um, and uh, I was I was my first year out of college. Went to visit some friends. Um, it, we were down in down in Florida, and and one of the roommates of who we went to visit, he was in the outside sales that you know, if somebody had, had described it to me. He was some, and back in the day, the old, uh, uh, soft serve yes. yogurt. Yeah. He sold the, the <laughs> machines. And, and I was like, well, that's kind of what I could see myself doing. So that outside sales is route sales, you know, an established territory, mm-hmm. um, almost in a way you could call it a protected territory. And then you, so you've got this kind of base mm-hmm. and then you build it from there. And, a few years later that's what i found myself doing and 31 years later i'm here i am so
0: it's just great <laughs> so you didn't instead pers- of yogurt
1: <laughs> you, it's great <laughs> using, yeah. yeah
0: and you didn't uh pursue the education like did once you had a taste of the outside sales and you got into oh that-
1: no um, no i graduated from mayor washington with it yeah. like with a bs in business yeah
0: administration. okay yeah but in terms all. of the coaching style well i actually you were a coach a bit but like in terms of pursuing a career in education or being oh, a coach. Oh no! So not you at just all. You made the right. call and then you yeah. never look back. We
1: coached from our kids when they yes, were. Yes, you really are great. Now.
0: Phenomenal, <laughs> it's a phenomenal coach, actually one of our favorites for sure. A lot of energy and good, like never freaking out. Okay, and then one other question just before we get into your path, really, I'm interested now that you've had so much experience in in the industry, how how would you say your expertise around wine like being a wine connoisseur do you feel like in order to do what you do you have to have a certain amount of knowledge about it and how much of a part of that is involved in you being able to do your job well
1: so uh there are days that i feel like i sell widgets yeah right it's it's numbers it's It's uh, margins, percent, you know, and and there's, there was a time, and and that could be for the the person that comes right into the business on doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, My, I started as an on-premise sales consultant, sales uh, on-premise, the wine that we sell is consumed on the premises, restaurants, hotels, country clubs. So in order to do that position, yes, it does require... Uh, a a certain amount of wine knowledge, which you can't hand somebody a book and say, read this and you're going to know. But quite literally, at the end of my first day, my manager handed me a bottle of wine and said, take it home and drink it. Write down what you taste Mm. prior to, to, to having food with it, then have some food with it and write down how it changes. And that's how that journey of wine education started for me the next day. It was a bottle of red wine and, you know, the, the same thing. And what I've always said about that wine knowledge is it, it, it kind of comes through osmosis. As you're out and about with the accounts and you're tasting them at, at the the bar, or, mm-hmm. you know, tasting with the chef, tasting with the bar manager, conducting a wait staff seminar, you're getting feedback from them they very well may know, every one of them may know more than me as a, you know, uh, 23-year-old a a year removed from college, right? Right. So learn from them. And then the next time we're all in the office together in a sales meeting, a supplier is going to come in. They're going to talk about their wines and there's going to be more education that kind of, you know, you're comparing that that one bottle of Chardonnay to this bottle of Chardonnay. And it's going to taste different when I'm on vacation down in the Outer Banks than when I'm sitting on the back porch after, you know, I've had a, a rough day at work, you know. So I I think wine is that type of, of product. Um on a, as I moved out of the on premise side, mm-hmm. the restaurant side and moved over onto the retail side, which I've done since ninety nine, that's where it came to the the, the widgets. You know? oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally different world in in what drives the. And
0: businesses. how did that move happen? Is that part of career progression? Is that yeah? For it, you-
1: it is. And mine was kind of put into fast forward when uh, two gentlemen on our uh, retail side, call them the the number two and number three mm-hmm. people in the company, not named the family name, right? Both left within about a about a two week window. One semi retirement and moved out of the area. The other went to the supplier side. like I was Okay, so, great. Uh, and kind of blindsided the ownership at the time. And so I was recruited from the, the on-premise side to come over there.
0: How and long had you been there before that move? Uh, six years. Okay. Yeah, and so were you excited years. about that opportunity? Like, was that something, or did you enjoy what you were I en- doing?
1: I enjoyed it, but I also knew, I'd been there long enough to know that our company mm-hmm. was very much driven by the retail business. Okay. So depending upon the brands that a distributor represents, mm-hmm. you might be more heavy retail driven, which we are, mm-hmm. the, the national brands. Not to plug any, any particular <laughs> brand, but sure. you know, right yeah. now, La Marca Prosecco is the number one selling wine in the business. Kendall Jackson Chardonnay is the number two selling wine in the chart. I, I'm very fortunate to be able to to, to sell them. Catapina Grigio, Whitehaven Sauvignon Blanc. These are very popular brands mm-hmm. that you see on every grocery store shelf. You see these brands at your Costco's. You see these brands in some cases in a in a Seven Eleven. They're mass. Yeah. They're mass produce and very easy for the consumer to find versus a particular wine, which you know, a restaurateur might say, well, I don't want Lamarco Prosecco or Kendall Jackson Chardonnay because everybody has it. Everybody has yeah. it. And I, here it is on the front page ad of the, the, the giant uh, uh, circular. I mean, when my when my Guests come in here, they want something different. know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they can get a steak and a hamburger at home just as easily
0: yeah, yeah, so interesting. and yeah. then for you on the retail side, um that I know you said it's more of like a widget and margins and and it's more maybe like numbers driven you're still i i suspect having to have good relationships with those retailers or oh absolutely right, where yeah. you become you know they know you and you're this trusted
1: yeah um so as when i moved over from so i spent 2 years as a on premise sales like carrying the the wine bag and going into the restaurants yeah. and and developing those those relationships a couple different territories roughly a couple hundred accounts um after a couple years i got promoted to a dm in the on premise side so i had 7 then we added an 8 uh, sales consultant. That and mm-hmm. so then that got me throughout all of Northern Virginia, meeting hundreds of uh, restaurateurs. When I made the the jump over to the retail side, the it was it was quite a leap mm. because I was coming in behind those those two guys that right. were, were, were very pretty well happy. established. Yeah, and, yeah, and so I went from having this team of eight that you know we did. 10% of the company's business to a, a team of you know, 30 that we were doing the other 90% of the business. Yeah. And I had m- multiple levels of, of management that rolled up to me. And, and so my contact was not so much with the individual God, account. I, yeah, it's... It, it was with my, my managers kind of putting them out there, but then also I also had a role of what we call a key account manager. So I giant food, there's 58 giants here in Northern Virginia. There's one wine buyer in their office in Landover, Mm. Maryland. So I was going there to Landover and sitting down with, with
0: that. Okay. You brought up something that I wanted to ask you about with respect to leading teams and leading reps and that being a part of your career path. And I really love to talk about leadership at any time that I can and hear you know, different perspectives on that. And particularly in this industry and when you're in a sales, I, feel, I always feel like when I talk to people about sales, there's just you know sales is black and white, either you're doing it or you're not doing it. And I don't know that it's that simple in terms of coaching people and driving performance and being able to lead, lead an effective group. So tell me a little bit about what makes a successful rep you know, in terms of your years as a leader and what are some of those characteristics that you think serve them well? And if someone's considering this type of work that they could say, yeah, I'm, I'm that kind of person, so I could thrive. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www. .tfa for more information.
1: The business that we're in, it's there's some labor intensive sides to it, mm-hmm. okay? You it, it, to be a wine rep, uh, a sales consultant Going into that giant food, you got to be ready to roll your sleeves up and and do some dirty work, heavy lifting. Mm. A, a case of wine is roughly 50 pounds, okay? And you're going to pick up and pull and push 500 50-pound cases of wine over, over the course of the week. So there is a, a labor-intensive okay. side to mm-hmm. it, which we, over the years, have added merchandisers to help alleviate that. But... Really, what when we walk into that store, yeah, the the shirt for years said Service Distributing. Now it says Johnson Brothers, but it really says Giant Food. When you go into that store, you become free labor, okay? Mm, interesting. And what you want to do though is you want to become a part of that store's team. When you walk into that store, you notice that. At register number one, it's the same person every right. single time. Well, what's her name? What's his name? Do you know him? You walk the perimeter of the store and all the different departments: the flower department, the seafood department, the butcher. Do you know these people? Do you want to become a part of so that way when that store manager sees you come in? My wine department's taken care of. I know mm. Teresa's Teresa just walked in. My wine is taken care of. I got enough other stuff to worry about. Yeah. So you want to become a reliable member of that store's team. And really the the sales that we're, we're doing, you know, the, the, the route sales, the replenishment. Here I was, I was at giant corporate putting a plan together with their buyer. I'm handing it off to the managers to hand to the sales reps to go execute. Well, the stores are getting the same plan. And so... You know, are we bringing, is my rep bringing to them, here's the plan, this is what we need to, to do to execute the plan, and this is when we're going to do it, and then following through on they, it. They just want the consistent communication uh, and, and the consistent execution as if you're one of their
0: employees. Got it. And because the industry, I know we've joked with you, just knowing you well, and knowing you, like the seasonality of it, mm-hmm. right? There's periods during the year in this type of business where you are probably working much longer days uh, and, and maybe even nights as you're gearing up for, like we just got through, right? Yeah. The holidays and New Year's and that's probably a big, like, so there is there a seasonality or now is it just busy year round and you can't really and, even. Yeah.
1: For, for the sales reps, it definitely spikes during those holidays yeah. and then Call it once a one week a month is a process we call changeover. You know, typically most of the of the grocery store chains out there, they, they set their their ads, their displays mm-hmm. one time a month. So that one week of, of, of the month, the, the, the business spikes, the sales, the size of the orders increase, mm-hmm. your workload goes up. You want that, right? Yeah. That means you're making more money. Right. These, uh, these reps are all 100% commission.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. So I guess just to, before we move on though, from a rep perspective or critical success factors, it's obviously the relationship building aspect. It's understanding that when you're at, if you're in a real t- retail spot, then it's, that it's being in that environment and really becoming part of that team. So they don't see you as an outsider or someone that's different. And then kind of that hard labor of like, you're rolling up your sleeves. You're doing a lot of different things, and so those are some of the key like success factors. Okay, so you you spanned this career of thirty years. You've talked a bit. You've alluded to it a, a bit, but when you first started, it was a family owned business, mm-hmm. and I think you and I had talked about this. Where like over the, I mean, in that in terms of being part of that family business, what chunk of time is that? Like twenty five years? Like how long Almost, were you part of that?
1: Up until the last year and a half. Yeah. So so, so that's ninety three. To uh, the, I was told two years ago in February that you know the the agreement had been signed yeah. and they were they were shooting for and achieved May one of twenty two.
0: And did you, in terms of that tenure with them, were there times that you wanted to leave, or or, or has it always you know a, a great sort of relationship where you kind of thrived and knew that that's where you you know you know what I'm saying was it I like. Left.
1: I did. You did, Leah. Okay. Did. So I went. So I had those those six years in the mm-hmm. on premise division, and then a couple over on the retail side. Uh, so if you if you put that down on your resume that I was an on premise sales rep for for two years, uh, on premise DM for for four, then moved over to retail key account manager, right? That makes a very nice looking resume. And I went and took that resume, and I I had a cup of coffee with a a company uh, called Pernod Ricard, uh, mm. which I had a relationship with them, and this is how how the, yeah. these moves sometimes happen. They had an opening in in Washington D.C. I sold their product, okay, and so our local rep turned me on to the the hiring manager for for D.C. and And I went to work there and I was back like this. And then I might've started a second cup of coffee by the time I left. Because uh, after a week, the owner's son of service distributing was calling me saying, okay, all right, you made your point. Uh, Uh, You you ready to come back? And it wasn't that I was trying to make a point about anything that they were doing wrong. I had uh, a three and a half year old little girl and I was going to work at six o'clock in the morning and coming home at five o'clock at night, and i was it's a it's I, a harder I, I, life I, I was right 33, 34 yeah thirty three thirty four years old, and uh, you know did I want to do did I want to punch that clock mm-hmm. for the next twenty thirty years and and so it was a good time to explore now I talked you know giant food costco seven eleven that this this world that we deal in here in northern mm-hmm. Virginia. It is the wild, wild west when you go down into Washington, D.C., and you start selling liquor, and you start dealing with independent liquor stores and free goods, and it's a totally different world. And it was a world that I did not come up in. And so it was dramatically different you know I I made the the home office and everything down in the basement and after a couple weeks you know the walls stop talking back to you because in when you're in the distributor world you're in a you're in an office every day you've got you know when you talk about the office staff and warehouse and reps coming in and out you know little contacts with with dozens of people on a daily basis and when you're established there they need you they come Mm -hmm. to you right And, Mm -hmm. and so that you know, you, you got the, that sense of importance and, and satisfaction in what you're doing every day. Well, when you're down in the basement by yourself and the call that you get is from your previous boss saying, come on back. And you realize that, well, if I want to go out and see my territory, I got to get in a car and drive, you know, 45 minutes and I got to, you know, there's five bulletproofs they want me to walk into today. I don't really feel like doing that. Where's my, where's my cozy wine aisle, right? <laughs> down in, uh, just outside a little rocky road. Right. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a different, it was a different world. I, um, I sponsored uh, Martel, Martel Cognac. <laughs> and I sold that and I sponsored the blue light lounge down <laughs> at dream, down at dream. Uh uh-huh. Um, and Ludacris was playing. Nice. And so I was there as part of the posse, right? <laughs> and then we all, the posse went oh here. Oh, my gosh. And then we're still, you know, and I'm them. Yeah. And then we went here. And, and then he goes up on stage with, and a couple of the posse also went up. There was like a, a table, like a mm-hmm. kitchen table up on the stage where that's where they stayed for the show. He performed. I took one step. I so said, where are you going? You're, you're not in that posse you're you can come this far right. but that's
0: it I'm paying for all this what do you
1: mean so but so it different different yeah world.
0: how long were you in that gig then uh, three months maybe. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. about that long
0: interesting um, yeah but otherwise then you're part of this family and how big was that family-owned company like how many people were part of that <laughs> uh, just in and around 100
1: okay in and around 100 when you all in with drivers and night crew day crew sales office and and all. and, and then
0: uh, just randomly i don't know i just thought of this too but in given the industry like you know i i suspect From just uh, access to alcohol and like it's such a part of your job, I would think it'd be very easy to sort of, I don't know how to put this, but like with the accessibility or like, do do you see a lot of alcoholism in the industry? Do you you know what I mean? Or is it because it's your job? It's like people that used to work at Baskin Robbins, like they don't eat ice cream all the time because it's available. You Um, know, do you feel like it's really more, you had talked before about it being more on the business side of yeah. being able to like, it's right. It, maybe not yeah. as much and, about and, and the wine and ironically,
1: drinking. Yeah. Ironically enough, um, just this week we got from, from corporate to two training sessions about, about, that. Interesting. I mean, I, yeah, about the effects of uh, DUI. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that's one of them and I, I haven't been on to, to, yeah. to both of them. And it was actually put together uh through again i'm not trying to plug anybody diageo is mm-hmm. you know the, the world's largest spirit, and they put it together and our our corporate office has sent it out to all
0: interesting all members, yeah so it's definitely something to like be aware of oh, like yeah. if that's you know and like you said if you're going on site goods it's in the middle of the day like um, you know and you're you know having yeah. some
1: no I, I i think every distributor supplier very serious about that
0: Let me ask you this question too, given the sales component. Are you someone, and throughout your tenure, like, are you driven and competitive? Like, is there a competitive part of you? I always think of people in sales being fairly competitive, or that there's whether you're competing against you know, other sales reps or it's just your own inner drive. Is that part of what's propelled you? Or... All of
1: it, all of the above. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Whether it's the, just an, uh, an inward drive, whether I was selling, <laughs> yeah. whatever I was selling, whatever, what, what I was doing, the des- desire to excel, to, to be the best that I can be. Now, Some of this, this, some of this mindset goes back to those days when I was, was a kid in in high school and playing sports. And yeah. And I think there was a lot of, a lot of foundation laid there, you know, uh, in, in, at at O'Connell, we, we got often booklets, readings, whatever you, however, it was yeah. presented, you know, John Wooden, the famous basketball mm-hmm. coach from UCLA, his pyramid of success, you know, and his definition of success. It's not, not to be measured where you're at, but by the obstacles that you've had to overcome mm-hmm. to get where you're at. You Interesting. Know? And, and so i I still have all those things in a you and know, you're someone
0: too, I, I do find this interesting and I like to ask this of people, like all the time I've known you, you're like an early riser, aren't you?
1: Some, yeah, it's not good, but I you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's very accurate.
0: <laughs> and you you've like always been someone that's like you get up early, you get there early, right? And they kind of get a jump on the day. Do you mm-hmm. feel Paul and I talk about this all the time, like in terms of just like if you think about yourself as a like a human in your life that's trying to propel yourself to the next level or you know we always joke about like being self actualized right and you always have things that you want to achieve in a year it's we're talking about new year's resolutions mm-hmm. those kind of things like do you feel that someone that gets up early and there's certain i think you can read a lot about a lot of successful business people or athletes or you know there's like there's something about getting to it early in the day And like kind of getting after it, do you think that's contributed in terms of like your own rituals and habits that that's helped you? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Particularly with the the previous owner, the previous. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, because he was there, and and his wife was there at six a.m. Listen, the whole time I worked for him, he didn't need to work a day. It was on autopilot as far as you know his uh, uh it, but he, he they were there six o'clock every day and if you came in at 605 well good afternoon mr daly thank you for joining us oh. today and they were they weren't kidding miss b wasn't kidding about that <laughs> so you got there earlier the next day um but yeah i i, I think that definitely um you you can stand out if you're the one that's not if, right. you, you'll stand yeah. out if you're the one that's coming in later not so much if you're always if you're always there early well of course he's here of course mm-hmm. he's they're, they're always here but it's the one that that, that yeah. stands out for and
0: i i i'm a firm believer in this too because it's different it's easy you know i mean at different periods of my of my career, it was important to to be the early one. It was important to show up in a way that people understood that you cared and that you, uh, it was a way, it was an easy way to demonstrate I'm in this and I care and I'm motivated without having to do a lot just by showing up and being there. Mm-hmm. And then I think at different periods, you know, when you, at least in the corporate space, maybe not so much in the sales world or even the organization you worked with where that was the culture, but for me, it's ebb and flowed, you know, in terms of when I got more comfortable and I had more like cachet, so to speak, or people knew me and they knew my reputation and it was like, okay, maybe you don't have to be the first person yeah. there anymore. You still have to deliver. But then I think, you know, when I went on my own and started my own business, it's like you're right back in that with any client that I have, I want to make sure that I'm presenting in such a way that they know that I care and right. that I'm there. Because they haven't and, experienced know. it. Yeah, yeah, so you haven't you yeah. had
1: have an opportunity to that. No, no, and I, I definitely, well I, I know when I when I came back after that three-month yes. hiatus, it loosened up a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, you know, because well, while we're at the negotiations, there is this whole six to five thing. We can, can, we can we? cut back on that, you know. So, yeah, that loosened up a little bit, but it, more so is what I was thinking, you know, a year and a half ago, a new ownership comes yeah. in and it is a, it's a. A totally different mindset uh, uh it is i have the the option now to work from home it is kind of as i choose now mm-hmm. there's meetings that take place at the office obviously i can't just say well i'm going to work from home today just yeah. zoom me in no you're going to be there for that but it's you're not questioned well of course you're doing your job right it, it, it's a it's a totally, it's a different, totally culture. different culture Yes, absolutely.
0: Let's talk a little bit about this because I think it's interesting um, and probably applicable regardless of the industry you're in. Like, you went through a pretty significant acquisition in the sense that you were with this entity for a long time and it was familial and the same, probably to some extent, 100 people over that period of time. So, you're a really tight unit. Culturally, there's a cult, you know, all the things that have worked and why you stayed there as long as you did. So, going through an acquisition like that. And then being on the other side and still being there how has that been for you you know what maybe what's something that's changed in a positive way like we could start there or maybe you know, and then and i
1: i knew it wasn't going to be you know walking into a room and flipping a light switch mm-hmm. and i didn't think it would be still feeling it some 18 months later yeah and with with our business consolidation i mean that it that's where all this is coming from so so we, as service distributing, family owned and operated for 60 years. I was there for 29 years, and acquired by another family owned company. But you know, there was a hundred of us, and we were doing a hundred million dollars. Now it's it's 4200 of us doing billions, yeah. billions, right? And but they did start 75 years ago as a family owned one man show. Up wow. on Oxford Street, up in Minnesota, okay, and they have now branched out out of twenty one branches fifteen states and our competition as as Johnson brothers mm-hmm. as Johnson there's Southern, there's Republic National, there's breakthrough beverage, and there's us and we are the four major wholesalers, Players, yeah. yeah, and depending upon the market that you're in, depending upon the the rules and regulations you may carry and sell liquor, wine, and beer. Mm -hmm. Here in in Virginia, liquor is done through the ABC store. So we don't have it in our warehouse to ship other markets you do. And I would think that those type of acquisitions are only going to continue. And those potential mergers and the family owned and operated distributor will over time, right? I'm not as for lack of a better term impressed with the technology just because I'm on the on the mm-hmm. backside yeah. of my career yeah. I don't yeah. but the the difference is night and day there I mean we quite literally had hanging in our sales room tube televisions with a VCR but
0: <laughs> I don't know if a VC if a tape ever actually
1: went in it we had it versus the the double screen the zoom technology screen. Yeah. that 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 we have yeah. now but in terms of you know as working with the the family owned they're all family owned but the old company mm-hmm. you know everything was kept very tight you know there was very little information that was dispersed to management certainly not sales reps. Where it is, everything is there for for managers to access it. You know, sales so there's a
0: transparency that now that
1: was never there. Mm-hmm. I, look, I had the, the the data that I I needed, but there were times that I was not allowed to share dollar figures
0: mm-hmm.
1: with mm-hmm. a customer. If I were to sit at that corporate office, I might I'd be able to share cases, mm-hmm. not revenue. I say, Boss, are you? Sh-? I mean, they're gonna we'll tell them to share me up their revenue. Right. Well, I don't think I'll do that. I think I'll just use the cases.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whereas yeah. that is
1: not the case now, it's dollars, it's revenue, it's costs, it's it, it, all yeah. of it is very transparent.
0: And you said just real quick, you said you did get your a business degree, mm-hmm. and so having that background, right, of like a fi- a, fi- a financial understanding or yeah. an acumen certainly has probably served you well. Oh, also. absolutely. Yeah. Teresa's new book, Soft Skills I Learned the Hard Way, is out and available on Amazon. She writes about many epic fails throughout her career and how she learned from them so you don't have to. This book is full of cheat codes for how you can differentiate yourself when it matters, like in interviews, trying to get a promotion, or being a first-time leader. As always, thank you, Relatable Community. We are so grateful for your support and continued listenership. As of today... We are 10,000 listeners strong. Now back to the show. Let's talk a little bit about the fun side of the job, mm-hmm. because I feel like there's some really cool stuff that you get to participate in or be a part of in terms mm-hmm. of this line of work. Uh, one, we talked a little bit about just being a wine connoisseur and getting to taste a lot of great wine and being able to to, to kind of I, learn they, something. I, no, I'm not a wine connoisseur. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> um, but tell me about some of the incentive trips. So that's the other thing that I think if someone's considering a life in sales or they're looking at potentially doing something like this, there's... Oftentimes, not all the time, but there's oftentimes incentives or ways to reward because it's a, it's a slog, right? It can yeah. be hard. So tell we me about
1: – We have a very, very you know heavy incentive model. Yeah. And it is – that that changed dramatically. We had very few incentives for 29-plus for years. Now it's
0: – But you went on some good trips in those. I, oh, that? yeah. Yeah.
1: Went on good trips. But in terms of, uh, firstly, just incentives for the sales reps yeah. and the managers – yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it, it should be that it, cause yeah. it's sales. You're, you're trying to drive sales, yeah. you you know, so set a goal, hit it, get rewarded mm-hmm. for it, you know, and you know, the, well, that's your job. That, that yeah. I, I heard that more than once. Right. Yeah. But no, we, we have many incentives going on at one time and, and they're for the most part, always, here's your number, go hit it, get X. Yeah. Um, but, and then, you know, there's also points of distribution, and you'll see that more in the restaurant side of the business. Mm-hmm. Go, go and get the wine wine list placement. You get X. Go get the wine oh, by the glass. You get X. Once you get the points of distribution, then you can start selling the cases. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to see the see the market first,
0: interesting. and then
1: and then generate the cases behind it on the retail side. Go sell the displays. Go, yeah, yeah. But and then the trips. I I've been on. Multiple trips. I've had opportunities, probably except for the the COVID years, probably an opportunity every single year to to go on some type of trip. The, I mean, you, can you, you went give to us Italy like, for a week? So you tell know, me can, is that your
0: favorite? one? like yeah. give me your give me that the best one and what you got to do there? Because I think oh, that's a
1: it, a full week in Italy was yeah because everything else the California trips are essentially. Uh, four days. Okay. Uh, all, kind of industry-wide. You go out on Thursday morning, you fly back Sunday. Yeah. And it's a whirlwind for sure. Especially that first day from where we are, East yeah. Coast to West mm-hmm. Coast. That's a, a very long day. And, and you hit the ground running and it can be somewhat overwhelming uh yeah poor, you go to you know six wineries <laughs> in a day, right but it is a lot it, yeah it, it is a lot and but the Italy one was you know a different tour or tours a day, uh tastings lined up on the food. the food was phenomenal uh, it, the the food was phenomenal for if we were there eight days, seven days the last day, the last day we're all on a bus. There was a lot of bus uh, mm-hmm. to travel, and there was a big group of us, about twenty or so. And we had had right in my wheelhouse: like bread, pasta, meat every <laughs> single day. Like at breakfast, they have prosciutto out yeah, for you, yeah. right? And and uh, Reed and I actually um, we would we finished most nights just the two of us with a bottle of prosecco somewhere. Because ah. we were we were at that that age. Where we were no longer hanging out with the twenty and thirty somethings yeah. that were on the trip, but we weren't ready to go back to the hotel. That was, so we just kind of went off by ourselves for the for a, a bottle of prosecco nightcap. But the last day we were driving, we were going to Venice, and uh, we were we were heading to the hotel and we were going to take a boat over to Venice. And they said, "Listen, we haven't had seafood all week. Now that is not in my wheel." <laughs> right I, unless we're eating some maryland blue crabs or or having some shrimp yeah and i knew I was, and i wasn't about to be the only person to raise raise hand and so when we got to this restaurant and it was seafood and but it wasn't it was like creatures that are on your plate and uh, wow. it's, it's got worse. yeah I mean, I was thinking, heads right. yeah, yeah you're seeing all of yeah. it yeah yeah. So I had some some bread and some pan suave <laughs> that night. So that yeah. was good. But and that was when we uh, the boat left us on Venice. So and you the, and Rita or everybody? Me, me and Rita. Oh. Um, yeah. Just hold on a second. She just uh, she says, "Come on, man. What, we got. I got to run to the
0: bathroom real quick.
1: Uh-huh. So real quick. Let me take you over there." And when we came back
0: boat was gone oh my gosh and
1: it happened to be at a time when uh, italy was going through a transportation strike so there were no water taxis there were no no so just a quick panic well listen let's get a bottle of prosecco and <laughs> sit down and figure out what we're going to do so we did that first mm. now here's the other thing that happens in venice which i don't know if it's a a, a daily occurrence but it floods yeah okay, so it floods, and then they try to get the Americans' money by selling you the boots that you really don't need, but so we say we didn't do that, but it, we couldn't get around very well after you know we had to try to figure out what to do to get some money. and we begged people for some money. We said we are Americans, and we're oh my gosh, we got left. our plane leaves in hours tomorrow morning, and we have to get back to this hotel by the airport. And there's only one way to get there by boat. So we scrounged up enough money from folks. And we got oh. somebody to take us on his private, which ended up being very cool. Speed boat, no top, sitting up on top of it. And <laughs>
0: That's, I could just see Rita in this oh, whole yes. scenario. Was, so know, let me ask you a real yes, quick question sorry. about the wine between Italy and here. So can you, is like non-comparable, comparable oh, in terms it, of like.
1: No, I mean, they're. I mean, you can get. You can get outstanding wines, and you know, as good in Did California you, as you can, yeah. in Italy as you can, in, in 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 South South America. That you know, I'd, I'd like to get down there. I haven't haven't had a chance to to go where Argentina. Oh yes, yeah. I'm, Argentina. I'm
0: so okay, one last thing. Well, before I have a couple more questions, but like yeah. one that I feel like I cannot leave this interview if I don't ask you because people that are listening that are wine people and love to drink wine. I I know I've texted you a few times on my own to ask you a good advice. So anything that you would recommend, just as people are trying to find a good wine or like pair a good like, what advice do you have? I mean, is it as simple as just buy it and try it, or right. do you and try
1: it and drink what you like? Don't worry about and I and I think over from my time in the business, the age old white wine with chicken, chicken and, fish. and fish and red wine with meat. They those walls have have come oh, down. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is there is the the scientific chemistry. I mean, yeah. you go into you go into a, a, a winery and go back into where the winemaker. I mean, it's a a chemist's mm-hmm. lab sometimes where mm-hmm. they're mixing the blends and and trying some things. So there is true chemistry going on there that a wine not to get too geeky on it but a wine that is high in acid will cut through the fat in what you're eating and allow you to to taste the meat or fish so in this case a high acid sauvignon blanc will cut through fish don't have fat Mm -hmm. fish have oils Right, mm-hmm. and so what do they give you when you go to a restaurant? What does everybody, what's every restaurant serve fish with on the side? A little garnish, mm-hmm. a lemon. Yeah, people take that lemon, they squeeze uh, it. Yeah. What they're doing is the the high acids in the lemon, the lemon juice is cutting through the oils in the fish that allow you to taste it. Better. Well, take that lemon, save it, and pour yourself a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. The high acid Sauvignon Blanc will do the same thing. It'll cut through the through the through the oils in the the fish and allow you to taste the fish you know beef Mm -hmm. has fat so what's a a high acid red wine that will complement that and why do you go from the white well there's blood in 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 that meat the muscle in Mm -hmm. that meat is is going to pair better with a red wine and the 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 flavors that come from that well cabernet sauvignon it's no accident so they do not translate to acid but Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Sauvignon are both very high in acid. One cuts through the oh, oils in fish. One cuts through the fat in in the beef.
0: And then what are like Merlot and Pinot and so like, if
1: you think of that as a yeah. like a little smiley face as you as you come down, oh, they're going to be softer. With at the very bottom will be white Zinfandel, which oh. I know is not what it was back when I started selling this, but you know, and so a, a less fatty piece of of meat is where you're going to put that merlot with chardonnay same thing as you come in but then it also has to do with how it's the the meat is prepared the food is prepared right um so it but it is it is what you like to drink mm-hmm. and as more so than some magical pairing and I, well and
0: i'll never forget because you said it before but i it has stuck with me which i think is so funny when I, you and i have talked about this where like we had a wine somewhere, right? I took a picture of the label. It was the best wine I've ever had. You know, we were probably <laughs> on vacation. It was like magical. Oh. It was like nothing I've ever tasted before. And then you see it in giant and you're like, oh my gosh, it's the wine. That's and you it. bring it home and you try to replicate it and it's, it's not, not nearly as or good. Or it just <laughs> is like, you have this, you know, yeah. and I remember you say, you know, the whole Atmosphere in which you're having it, you know, depending on what you're kind of going for or how you're having it, can really influence what like how Absolutely. it tastes or your memory of it, yeah, right? Your
1: memory of it, yeah. yeah. It's your more... the, the experience,
0: yeah, yeah. The
1: experience,
0: yeah. awesome, awesome. Okay, um, all right. Well, now let's transition a little bit to more my kind of my my wheelhouse with respect to soft skills because I like to anybody that I interview, I like to talk about soft skills and how. The soft skills um, complement the technical skills of what you do. So just to frame that for you, like we've talked a lot about the sales component. You talked a lot about like managing revenue, we talked about managing reps, talked about relationship building, which I would consider to be a soft skill. But the there's like the technical component of the work that you do and the technical knowledge that you have in order to do your job. And then there's a whole suite of what I call soft skills that complement that work. And I think it's true in any organization or any type of role you have and so when I talk about them I'm thinking about you know communication active listening influence collaborate right there's a whole and some might call them human skills or interpersonal skills like whatever you want to call them for for you either in your own career what has proven to be a difference maker for you that has helped you succeed Right. So you can answer it from that perspective or because you you're a seasoned professional and you've had a lot of people work for you. You could also answer it from the point of view of like, what do you see in others that helps them to be more successful?
1: Um, I think in uh, if I'm saying this right, the managing down, I think the communication piece has been so important. And so in, in that role, when mm-hmm. I had that role and I had to communicate to half a dozen managers who then had to communicate to 30 sales reps and merchandisers, and I'm getting the information from dozens of sources to be able, and I enjoyed this very much, being the person that did get all that, like, you know, whether it was just a memo that the office needed to ensure that, you know, some HR information, uh, you know, the vast majority of it is sales information from our right. suppliers and, you know, the sales information, you know, what does Giant have on sale next month? What is the Safeway planner and things of that nature, putting all of that into a package and communicating that down and making sure that that communication is crystal clear, um, no ambiguity in it that the direction has to be and and then consistency from Mm -hmm. whether it's one weekly meeting to the next one month to the next you know to 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 be consistent with with that communication Uh, working with you know my bosses and the suppliers and and over the years I think listening I think is is so important And, and listening and this could also play with you know feedback to the to the people that I was managing mm-hmm. listening to understand yeah. as opposed to just listening okay you you stopped making noise, so now I'm going to talk <laughs> I didn't hear, I heard that there was noise, yeah, but I did not really listen to what you were saying i think I think listening to understand as opposed to listening to respond, yeah, I see people do it all the time, and, yeah you. Know, and, in these meetings and people start talking over each other, you know, what, yeah. what's getting accomplished in that? So.
0: And I think there's something about that listening to understand and then the pace at which we're all working now. I just think the, the pace of immediate gratification, the pace of technology, the, the, you know, there's just so many decisions that are happening all the time that, that it be, to take a beat and to listen to understand requires a real control on the yeah. part of the listener to really because there's so much i think stimuli coming at you and you're and there's nothing in the system now that supports you to take a beat yeah. so it really has to be on you to do it
1: yeah and yeah. And, and i hear this often well we got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time all right oh i got it yeah. i can do that but you're also asking me to juggle and balance this on my head and do it all on one foot while i'm riding a, a unicycle backwards <laughs> It's, I can walk and chew gum at it. Sometime, right. But, yeah. Know. It's yeah.
0: Multidimensional. It's, it's Yeah. Okay. That's a great one. And then just in terms of, you know, you have a college age student. So as you think about your own path. Uh, and the lessons that you've learned along the way, right? We all kind of, you know, that's the beauty of being where we are at this juncture. It's like you have this wealth of experience now. What are some of the key things you've learned along the way that, you know, if you and your son were to go out to lunch and he's like, okay, dad, give me the secrets. Like, Mm -hmm. what are the things that I should be thinking about to be successful? What advice would you give him?
1: Therese, I'd love to be able to say... (laughs) find something that you love doing yeah and do it <clears throat> you know and then it's it's not going to be work but at the same time reality tells me that there are so few people that actually do that and you you realize it sometimes i i think i said this to you some you look back and you have regrets and here i am right now i don't want to just in the next three to five or ten, like Rita told me, I had to work ten more years. Right? <laughs> that I look back on just this these little ten years and see regret. So I know that didn't answer your your question, but I've always I've, I've struggled with that one as well as what would I I would tell younger John. <laughs> I know.
0: So your belief is that everything happens as it should. And while it's happening, those are the lessons that you're learning, and that in those you know and it's and it's kind of up to you in those moments to take it as you go, and that there there isn't necessarily anything that has stuck out to you in terms of your own path that has that has helped you because I think the reason I asked the question is a little bit of it's almost like if I didn't know which at twenty five I didn't know what I know at fifty there are certain things that I could say to her, to, to, to Teresa, that would have helped, I think, not necessarily miss those opportunities to learn because I think they're so important, but maybe it's more on the emotional side of like, you know, maybe, maybe like I've heard other people say like, you know, you don't have to stress out so much, or you could just take it a little easy or give yourself some grace, right? Like those kind of things that might that I think when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to know.
1: Yeah, and if you don't do, if, if you don't not give yourself a break, you're not going to succeed. The, right. don't, the, the reason I succeeded was because I freaked out, because I got up earlier, because I yeah. stayed late, because I worked harder, you know, which kind of in a way, I, I did take that step back when I left the company and said, and it was, it was because I didn't know when I was going to have breakfast with Cameron. That's I didn't know if I ever would. If I had to be at the office at six o'clock every morning, when was I going to
0: have mm-hmm. breakfast with
1: my three and a half year old daughter? You know, you know. But I came back.
0: Mm-hmm. Now
1: I I adjusted and yeah. looking back at that, that, that those aren't the types of things I regret. Sure. Yeah, those aren't the types of things I regret. I I always stumble with this. You know, where what would I tell me? What yeah or not even everything yeah everything that i did good bad mm-hmm. uh, the the successes the failures the things i'm not proud of the regrets every one of those things has me sitting right, right here yeah yeah
0: <laughs> totally you. get it totally yeah. get it i th- yeah. no i get it and i th- i think there's definitely it kind of some sort of summed up by saying it you know things happen for a reason and then and then that's kind of where it lands you but we don't terms- always
1: know the reason right we don't right. always know the reason why we're going through it. And, you know, my hope is that as I look back, I can start to identify.
0: Well, and like you said before, you when I asked you the question, you said, I would love to say find, find something that you love and then it won't necessarily feel as much like work. Is that something you did? Like, do you feel like you found something that you love to do in terms of your career or enough? You know, maybe it's not like you... <laughs> you know, it's not like playing for the NFL or right. playing on it. Right. Because you were an athlete. And maybe those are those dreams. But like, yeah, right. In terms of your own career and being successful at it and enjoying it. And, you know, what you say,
1: I'd say that I enjoy it a, a lot more than I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there are I it's hate so, this. It's I, so fair, it's it is, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean,
1: but you know, that's why that's one of the reasons why I can text Rita and say, if I told you how much I hate this, send because it feels
0: good it to feels get good. that out. I, yeah, yeah, you
1: know? <laughs> did I send it to her? Okay, good, right? I had check,
0: yeah, I didn't yeah. send it
1: to the boss, did I? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah.
0: no, it's great. I just, um, I really appreciate the time with you. It's really interesting, too, to just hear about your path and hear a little bit more about the industry and kind of the ins and outs of how it works. I think that um, and then going through an acquisition and feeling, you know, the the results of that and kind of having to adapt and change. You know, you can do something for 29 years and be really good at it and still have to adapt and change. And you're in like the throes of that now. And I just feel like there's never, you never get it guarantees, right? That like things are just going to be the way they're going to be. And so I think that flexibility and being adaptable and being like, look, yeah, there are some things about this that are new, that are really interesting and dynamic and different. And then there's some things you're going to miss. And that's true of like any type of change like that. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. For being on Relatable. (laughs) Thank you, John. Such a pleasure to catch up with you. Key highlights from this interview for me include your guidance on listen to understand, the importance of transparency as a leader, and no regrets. Everything happens for a reason. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and to Hannah for your support. A big thank you to our Relatable community. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.